From Green Biz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from Green Biz events. I'm Joel McCower. We know from all of our market research that sustainability, consumers do not choose our products based on sustainability, and they won't pay more for it, right? But all other things being equal, it will be a differentiator. Michael Kobori is Vice President Sustainability at Levi Strauss & Company. He spoke with Harmit Singh, Levi's Chief Financial Officer, and me at the GreenBiz 17 conference in Phoenix, Arizona, about why sustainability and financial executives need to be talking and understanding each other's worlds, and how that can lead to better outcomes for both parties. Let's listen in. So, uh, Harmeet, uh, let's talk, start with you in terms of your sustainability journey, because we, as we've established, not a lot of companies uh, have CFOs who, for lack of a better word, get it. Where did that come from for you? Sure. Um, first, uh, thank you for having us. Uh, you know, I'm lucky to be uh, working for a company like, Le- like Levi's, Strauss and uh, Company. Uh, we've been around, as you know, for over 160 years and have a long history of uh, driving profits through principles, which essentially make, uh, means that it's not only important for us to determine what we make, but how we make it. And that's the cornerstone of our belief around sustainability. Um, it started as uh, a risk mitigation strategy, and then as market leaders, we have pioneered, and I'll talk about waterless uh, worker well-being program, our screen chemistry program, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's become, um, I would say, a core DNA uh, of the company and, uh, and a core fabric, no pun intended, of our value system. Um, now, the journey for me, um, when the bedrock or the foundation was so, so solid in terms of believing on sustainability, really, uh, I've been with the company about four years, and I became a believer about uh, you know two years ago, and uh, it's important for all of you out there, you know, if you want to drive sustainability through the organization, it's important for all of us to start converting the non-believers to believers. And I think uh, what resonated with me was a couple of things. Uh, first, uh, it needs to make uh, financial and business sense. Uh, so, for example, you know, I've talked about waterless. I'm wearing genes that are waterless, uh, in, and in essence, uh, you know, we, uh, these waterless genes use 96% less water uh, in the core manufacturing process, uh, which is denim, uh, you know, in terms of finishing denim. And it does two things. First, it helps the planet um, by using a scarce, less of a scarce resource, but more importantly, it's, uh, it's produced at a lower cost. Uh, and about four cents uh, a product lower than other products, which means it does drive margins. Uh, and today, about 40% of our product volume are waterless, going to 50%, and by 2020, getting to uh, close to 80%. So that's the first piece is, is there a financial or business case? The second is, you know, being a CFO, it's important for me to ensure that we are able to drive and sustain value. And uh, value, for, for me, is driven by a win for the consumer, and we are just beginning to unlock a lot of uh, marketing around our sustainable products, because millennials you know, love uh, you know, anything that's sustainable. 
Uh, and you know, we in the past haven't done a great job communicating our sustainable story to the end consumer. So you know, the first piece is a win to the consumer. The second is, it's got to be a win to the manufacturer. And uh, as we create more demand, it leads to more production. So it's a win for the manufacturer. And the third is a win to the company, uh, both in terms of driving your core value as well as you know, growing profits. So Michael, uh, Levi's has been on this journey for a long, long time. I've, I remember writing about some of these things 25 <coughs> or more years ago in the, back in the 20th century. Um, and and it's, a, it's a lot of things on both the social and environmental piece. Um, and uh, you've been driving uh, just incredible change. And in how many years have you been? Nearly 20 years at the company. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. I didn't think it was that long. Um, and I'm guessing that some of the people here are saying, okay, I get it. You know, it's Levi's, privately held company, making a you know, consumer brand based in San Francisco. You say it's in your fabric. I've always said sustainability is in your genes. Um, and, you know, so this doesn't apply to me. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you... How do you say? How do you tell people that this is this is not just unique to to us as as this privately held cool company? Well, Joel, I, as I mentioned, I've been at the company almost twenty years, and for most of that time, you know, we're a privately held company. The family owns the company still, and they've been very supportive. Right? It's part of the legacy of of Levi's and of our family CEOs over the years. But five years ago, when our current CEO Chip Berg. Uh, arrived and when he brought Harmeet, uh, there was definitely a new sheriff or sheriffs in town and there was going to be much more of an emphasis in our company on financial discipline. Uh, that was part of the turnaround that they were brought in to engineer. And so from the beginning I realized, hey, we've kind of relied on that family support for many years, but I said we need, we need to be able to quantify the financial value of our sustainability investments. And so the first thing we did, we went out and looked at, okay, how do we do that? We s settled on something called the value driver model, which allows us to look at sustainability investments in three ways. First, like Harmeet mentioned, risk management, we quantified that. The second is productivity and costs, we quantified that. And the third is growth, and that includes innovation and brand building and revenues. And so we worked directly with the finance team, my partner in the supply chain, because I report to our chief supply chain officer, so my partner there, who's the VP of Supply Chain Finance, and I worked on this, and we ended up presenting it to the board, and it laid a very good foundation with the board and with the new leadership on the value of sustainability. The, the other thing I did, I knew I had to start thinking more like a finance person, and I am not a finance person, right? I'm a human rights guy. And, and so we went out and partnered actually with our treasurer, and our VP of Supply Chain Finance, and we went to the International Finance Corporation, the IFC, and the, we got together this program called Global Trade Supplier Finance, GTSF. The IFC provides short-term financing to our vendors. The catch is that for our vendors who perform better on sustainability, they get a lower interest rate from the, from from the IFC. The vendors actually save literally from tens to $100,000 on this kind of financing. It's the first time our vendors are getting an actual financial incentive for sustainability. It was a great program. I got to speak the language of finance, and now I'm considered like this financial deal maker, and so I can actually work with finance to identify financial instruments 
that can help the company. So and did you have to go through Harmeet for that program, or is that something you No, did? no, no, no. We, okay. we worked directly with... Just kidding. <laughs> we worked directly with the operational people, and obviously Harmeet gets involved in approving, right. but so, you go directly to the operational So let's public. talk about how you and Harmeet work together. I mean, you say you have to make the business case, the financial case mm -hmm. for everything. Uh, I'm sure, are there hurdles? Do you have, uh, so you must be a challenge to prioritize. It must talk a little bit about that experience from, from your end and then, and then Harmeet from yours. Sure. Go ahead, you're in a role, let's go. So we have to meet all of the same financial hurdles that everybody else does in terms of capital, you know, capex, return on investment, and Everybody so else in the company. Everybody in the company, so the same rules apply. Um, but that kind of constraint around budget actually causes us to innovate more. I mean, we went outside the company to get this IFC deal going, and it's benefiting the company. It's lowering the cost of capital for our vendors. Give an example of something you did internally, an innovation that allowed you to, to uh, make that case better. Well, I mean, Harmi talked about the Waterless program, for example. I mean, a terrific, terrific innovation that has that flywheel going of you know, benefit to the consumer, benefit to us, benefit to the vendor. Right. And to be clear, it's not waterless, it's waterless. So it's a, you reduce the water impact yes. of, of manufacturing. Uh, of, is that where the In water? the manufacturing process. So in the finishing process at the industrial laundries that finish the product, they are able to, through different techniques that we've developed with them, mm -hmm. use literally up to 96% less water to get the same look of the product. Because for the designers, they wanted the same aesthetic without using as much water. Right. Right. So I think, uh, you know, just building on what Michael said, I think the, the couple of things, collaboration with the finance function can unlock, you know, Drew talked about possibly raising money um, using uh, sustainable bonds. That's one piece of it. I think the core things, the way I think about it is, um, you know, the CFO can help uh, set the right tone at the top. Um, and, um, and it's not necessarily the CFO, the way we have kind of linked all the good work that Michael and the team through 20 years have done is link sustainability to core strategy of the company. And I think when you link the, it to the core strategy of the company and make it the way we are um, trying to grow uh, the company, it becomes easier. You're not talking about incremental resources, you're talking about trade-offs from resources that are doing things in, in one way to do it things a different way. So that's the first piece of it. The second is, I think, where CFOs and finance can help is allocate resources. So whether it's capital programs, whether it's incremental headcount, et cetera, you can help do it. And the reason the financial or the business case is important is because it's important to communicate what is the value of a program uh, on a 360 basis. You're not only doing good for the environment, which we believe in, but you're also doing good for the shareholders, do good, you know, other stakeholders in the company. And I think that's how our collaboration started. I remember the first day Michael walked into my office and he says, I want this, and I said, okay, that's great. It feels right, but tell me how it is right to other stakeholders, and let's build that case, and let's start measuring it. And I think that b begins to unlock the journey. I also want to add here, I mean, it isn't all sweetness and light, right? I mean, just like everybody in this room, right, budgets aren't growing, right? We, every year we get a target and we got to meet that target. But having that constraint on our budget 
forces us to innovate. And it forces us to innovate our organization in sustainability. So we've innovated the function. So five years ago, my team in the field, all they did was factory audits. That's all they did. We said, if they do that, they can't do anything else. So we found credible partners to work on those factory audits for us, like the International Labor Organization's Better Work Program. And now our people are shifting what they do. They're being the coach and the mentors to our vendors, so our vendors can actually build the capabilities to manage to our requirements themselves. And our team is able to spend their time doing things like the Waterless Program, like our worker well-being program that has improved the lives of literally 100,000 workers in our supply chain by improving their health outcomes and their financial literacy. Uh, they've been able to spend time on the Better Cotton program. Levi's currently sources 21% of all the cotton that we use through the Better Cotton program. And I will make a plug for BCI. For those of you who work on sustainable commodities or sustainable ag, Better Cotton Initiative is probably the best kept secret in sustainability. In six years, in six years, 12% of all the cotton grown in the world is now qualified as better cotton. 12%. It's reaching over a million point six farmers around the world. So it is a real success story and no one's ever heard of it. Harmi, yeah. you, you said that um You've started to step this up over the past 12 months, engaging the leadership team and the board in some new ways. Talk a little bit about what's going on and how you are now taking all this good work to the next level. Sure. I mean, so I'll, I'll give you an example of uh, what just transpired. Every year, like most of uh, you here, we also set objectives uh, for uh, our executive team. Uh, this year, when you're doing a, objectives, uh, and then we cross-collaborate the objectives to understand interdependencies. So this year, when you did the objectives, we had the sustainability objectives that Michael presented. And the question then, and Michael, we asked Michael to clarify the help he needs from different leadership or executive team members. So I had my ask. I need this from finance. And I said, okay, I say yes to this. I say yes to this. For this, I need... You know, I think we need more resources, et cetera. So it starts with setting core objectives that are transparent and more important, integrated across the system. What we do as a company, uh, to the point uh, I think Michael referred to, is we engage at the leadership level. Uh, we engage with our board uh, through the nomination and governance com uh, committee once a quarter. We are talking about our sustainability program and the true value is beginning to unlock. And, uh, and just setting the right tone at the top. And then Michael and I sit together and we find ways to measure it and communicate it within the organization. So it's becoming, a, as I go back to my earlier point, it has to be the, in the DNA, in the core fabric of how you run the company. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, just to add here, I mean, in the past, right, I, I report into our chief supply chain officer and, and he, and now she, has driven sustainability within the supply chain. But to move from supply chain driving sustainability to all functions in the company driving sustainability, it's been critical to have the support of the CFO in driving that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, it, it's working. Yeah. It's working. It's a, it's a, I, th I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It requires, it's a journey the way I call it. Uh, I have non-believers in my team, yeah. right? And uh, so, you know, 
I set the tone, I get them to understand, and then over time, you know, get them to believe. Uh, but I said, say, you've got to be patient. Well, I want to talk about that because you said, uh, you told me the other day, you said, you know, you need to believe. Yeah. That's a core belief of yours and a core, I guess, part of your personal strategy in, 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 bringing, in bringing this to uh, the level that, that the entire company wants to, to take it. What does that mean exactly? What are you trying to believe in? How do you talk about that? Who you, how do you influence people? I bet a lot of people are trying to figure that same thing out. Yeah, I, I think it starts with, is it, I mean, the way I call, you know, the best way to grow sustainability is, in, in my view, and I'm just saying it in my view, is it has this wonderful pyramid. Uh, the, the, the bottom of the pyramid is the foundation, which is, is it in the DNA of the company? Is it a core value? Uh, is it something that over time has worked, irrespective of different management teams? And I think, in our case, it is a core uh, foundation. So foundation has to be solid, which means the folks in this room uh, need to have, uh, you know, real um, practices that over time are uh, creating value. This, the second, the middle of the pyramid is what I call business partnership or collaboration. Uh, you need to engage, or we need to engage with different functions and different leaders. In this case, it is a finance and and you know sustainability. Uh, uh, collaboration, but you know there is marketing uh, because you got to market and let the consumer know. There's obviously vendor management uh, and manufacturing, which is uh, which is critical engagement in forums like this. And the last piece is how does this unlock value, and how do you sustain that? That value is beyond uh, just the consumer; it's other stakeholders, it's shareholders, it's other stakeholders. So I think to to get it right. The, the pyramid has to work together, sure. and that takes time. And you talk about marketing, um, and that brings in sort of the, the customer, the consumer value proposition. How does that play into this? Because you don't, people don't buy clothing, apparel, based on sustainability, most people, maybe a few in this room. Um, and, and I'm wondering how much uh, a, that a pair of jeans was manufactured with less water actually would move product. Talk a little bit about your sustainability communications and all this, because I don't, you, you've traditionally, particularly as a family company, has been, been pretty modest about this. Michael, do you want to yeah. take that on? Sure, you take it out. Look, the, all of this work that we're doing and the story we have to tell is, um, is something that we really need to get out there to the consumer. It's one of our biggest opportunities. Uh, we know from all of our market research that sustainability, consumers do not choose our products based on sustainability, and they won't pay more for it, right? But all other things being equal, it will be a differentiator. And particularly for the millennials, I mean, I just got back from Europe and from Asia, the millennials are responding to this, not only the millennials in the marketplace, but the millennials in our company, and over half of our company is millennials. And they want something more from a brand. What they want from a brand is purpose. And for our employees, they want to work for a company that's going to change the world. Um, and that's going to help us attract and retain the talent we need as well as the consumers we need in the future. Yeah, and I, I'd say the, the only thing I'd, I'd build on that is it's important to communicate uh, what your product is. Uh, and, and that's where sustainability comes in. It's not, about, it's not about getting richer, it's about 
you know, growing your market share, growing your profits, but doing it in a principled way. And that, I think, is the key. That is a key way, doing it in a principled way. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, great conversation. Thank you, Michael Kabori, Armit Singh, and Levi Strauss. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. You've been listening to Michael Kabori and Harmit Singh, the Chief Sustainability and Financial Executives, respectively, in conversation at the GreenBiz 17 conference. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash centerstage. And while you're there, tune into GreenBiz 350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. For all of us here at GreenBiz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening.